Welcome back to the CIO Show for 2021. I'm David Binning, Associate Editor CIO. Hope everyone had a nice, relaxing break. Predictably, our first episode kicking off the third decade of the 21st century, scary, right, is on predictions. We'll be talking to leading analysts and one of the top CIOs from last year's CIO 50 about what they expect to see on the digital horizon for the next 12 months and also musing on some of the dud predictions from 2019. But to be fair, COVID threw some of the best reasoning and logic out the window, we can all agree. The cloud, mobility, automation, customer experience, and of course, cybersecurity are expected to loom large on CIO radars this year. While one of our guests predicts vendors will talk less about AI, as the feeling grows that if you're not already building it into your stack, you shouldn't be talking at all. Our first guest is Robert Hillard, who's Deloitte Asia Pacific Chief Transformation Officer. Rob, welcome back to the CIO Show. Thank you, David, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Hope you had a relaxing break. Indeed, and looking forward to getting into 2021. You are? I'm not really. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of am. <laughs> now, I understand you're working on a digital, uh, 2021 digital trends report for Deloitte at the moment. That's right. We, we always look at um, trends. I think this is the time of year when, we, when everyone looks at, well, what What's going to happen? What's co- what's coming up? What does the what does the future bring for us? You know, it's a time of year when traditionally we see in the US the Consumer Electronics Show, the CES, mm. which which obviously this year is running um, is running virtually yeah. um, on consumer trends. But it's it's fascinating. I, I think it's fascinating to look at all the consumer trends that are happening, and then also look at you know what does that mean for business trends, and then what are some of the business trends yeah. that are. Uh, that, that, that are coming through. And it used to be, we, mm. we do an annual tech trends uh, report and it used to be that the, it was really business tech trends and they were quite, they were quite serious. Mm. I, I, I think increasingly consumer and business have merged. Yeah, and the other, thing that, the other thing that has merged is one, it's actually our number one prediction for 2021 All right. is the merger of business strategy and business technology strategy and consumer technology strategy. So the triumvirate, uh-huh. because it, it, it really used to be that unless you were selling consumer electronics, you weren't that interested in the technology that a consumer had. Yeah. And it used to be that business technology that uh, CIOs are responsible for, you know, really looked after the back office. They kept people's email up. They kept the, uh, the close they came to the customer was they kept the point of sale yeah. running. Yeah. Uh, and they kept the supply chain operating, but the customer wasn't directly engaged. Now, yeah. clearly, websites, then digital, changed that. But that transformation is now completely on its head. And, and, um, and it's consumer trends around clouds that have changed that. And we're going to see in 2021, um, businesses really challenge whether or not their business strategies, mm. uh, tech, uh, really technology strategies and really taking advantage of the technology that they've got, mm. that they've got available to them. And it's going to really expose organizations on their core systems. Right. So we've seen, we have seen a number of years, um, a lot of organizations, core systems are expensive. To, uh, to manage, maintain, but even more expensive to replace. And I think quite a lot of organisations use put um, paper mache over <laughs> difficult issues in their um, in their core systems. Yeah. But what we're really seeing now is that if I want to realise complex change mm. and complex digital interactions, I can't just put 
some uh, d- uh, digital facades over my um, over over an analog back office. I've got to, I've really got to digitise end to end, and that's going to mean um, yeah some significant investment in core systems, and and those are big, often big numbers. We think we're entering a super cycle of some of those um, of some of those investments, with then a really big investment in supply chain yeah, and the yeah. benefits that could come from uh, supply chain on the um, on the back of that, not least of which because we're seeing manufacturing getting far more sophisticated, yes. seeing the movement of goods getting more um, more complex. But one of the big things is now that cloud has matured, we realise that it participants in the supply chain all the way from the people who dig stuff out of the ground through the people who make it into something, through the people who move it, Mm. right through to the person who consumes it Mm. are all probably on the cloud. And rather than have each person pay a set fee to the person before them with a markup, maybe we can do something smarter. If we can see inside, if we can predict better, if we can uh, manage demand, we can can do something far far more clever and potentially move to far more subscription-based yeah. Far more risk-sharing models, even right through to the um, right through to consumer. So that's that's going to drive, and all of that's going to happen in the context of two big changes in our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of one of which is cyber is no longer something we think about after the event. Mm-hmm. Cyber is something we've seen in the last, particularly in 2020, but over the last two years, yeah. catastrophic cyber events yeah. that are significantly threatening the existence of some organisations and certainly the viability of others. Yeah, and, 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 the and, and certainly the privacy of, of citizens as well, brilliant. as we saw that breach of Tasmania, yeah. That's right. The, 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 um, our own, it's affected all of us one way or another mm. without, um, without realising it. Um, and private, so that cyber security being baked in to the design, not just the design of the technology, but yeah. the design of the business service and the supply chain. Yeah. And then finally, so we started this by uh, saying, let's see how far we could go without talking about COVID. But I'm, 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 I'm going to breach that right now and say, and, and say, <laughs> and say, and say that's really worth COVID. Um, we've learned to use, we've built digital muscles and we're working in new ways. Mm. Uh, the digital workplace yeah. is going to, is not going to stop here. Yeah. Um, the, um, the, the, those digital tools, that was the uh, that that we think of as providing us with video yep. capability. They're going to permeate way more things. I think we can fully expect to see that the big uh, conferencing vendors are going to sneak into HR IS systems. I think they're going to sneak into uh, productivity. You mean you mean, company, you mean companies like Zoom? I mean exactly. And, I and think they Microsoft. Are, well, Microsoft's already there with Teams, but yeah, Zoom. Yeah. They are, and, and and we're going to and we, what we're going to see. You, you, you've already seen it with yeah. uh, some of the, the some of the collaboration, uh, mm. some of the collaboration tools yeah. as well. Yeah. That they've they've morphed. So the idea that a tool is going to sit neatly in its patch and not try and play and use the data it's got yeah. to say, well, actually, given I, I'm already managing a meeting. I might have, and I'm managing interaction. I might as well manage the knowledge you've got. I might as well manage the uh, the interaction that you're having. And, and, and given I know where you are, I might as well manage your time. Kick. And by the way, you make the the workflow, the part, and specialisation where you may well you may well end up with tools that become experts, become particularly suited 
for medical interactions, tools that become particularly suited uh, for uh, consumer-customer yeah. interactions, and so on, and, and, and. Um, and, and I think that'll be, those will be trends that we yeah. think will become important. It's interesting you, you're, you're mentioning this move towards organisations realising the, the capabilities of the cloud to, you know, to reconcile supply chains, enormous supply chains across industries, across economies. Um, one of the um, you know, arguably most ridiculous predictions in hindsight from 2019 was that you know Tesla was going to um, hit the wall? So slightly, a slightly macabre analogy, um, but of course they didn't, and and they did quite the opposite. And and one of the reasons for that was their ability to harness the cloud, right? That's right. So, so uh, Tesla is, I think, something like the most shorted stock, certainly yeah. at the moment, and, and and maybe in history in in, in sheer dollar terms. Mm. Um, and uh, the predictions that they would uh, that that they would fail, as or at least crash metaphorically yeah. has um, have, have, have not proven to be the case. And, and I think one explanation is they've got a fantastic product that's, that's highly in demand yeah. and have exceeded expectations um, that many had on manufacturing. But what gets underestimated is the, that the pioneering role that they're playing in cloud and the automotive, ma- the management of automotive cloud or automo- cloud management of automotive yeah. technology. Yeah. So um, we're seeing the other uh, car players um, moving, taking up much of what Tesla has pioneered. Mm. And we know that pioneers do very well in, set, in setting value because yeah. we don't know what the – we know what the value of a car is. We know what the margin on the car is, mm. but we don't know what the long-term value of the data that surrounds the car and that cloud. But we have a strong suspicion that subscription models yeah. – around that cloud are going to be incredibly valuable. And Tesla is a, is, is a pioneer in that. Now, I imagine most of the CIOs listening probably don't manage fleets of, um, don't use cloud to manage a fleet of cars, let mm. alone a fleet of Teslas. But the technology that that's pioneering yeah. is going to be really, is going to be really important to the future of IoT fleets yeah. that um, the CIOs are, um, are managing. And, and really show us how you know, I mentioned up front. I, you know, I do watch the CES, uh, the Consumer Electronics Show, each year, not just because you know I'm a bit of a gadget geek. I, I like to see what's coming, um, but also because you can glean from it trends. We we saw consumer the consumer markets and the CES show um, give us hints a number of years ago about where things like Office three six five would go. Yeah. That initially were about um, uh, that were about consumer product. I mean, if you go right back to Hotmail and products like that, they pioneered cloud management, which dramatically reduces CIO risk yeah. on um, on information management. And coming from consumer, the business opportunity appears. Now, in consumer, we, we one of the trends we're seeing in consumer clouds is that uh, that complexity of having a multi-cloud environment for consumers mm is getting really hard to manage. And subscription yeah. services that simplify them, yeah. subscription services that manage you know, your content, which typically is photos um, and other digital media, um, is, is doing really, really well. And managing your cyber risk with that is doing really well. And I think it's um, really useful for us in business technology to look at those trends and see what's, um, 
what's coming out. Now, David, I'd also say, by the way, if you look at CES, there's, a, there's some fascinating other technology, um, and I'm not sure how, how relevant it is, but internet-connected toilets are also a thing. And <laughs> get, I, I, get I'm, sure that you can find <laughs> I'm sure you can find a use uh, for that in business, um, in business technology somewhere. It, it probably tells us something. But, oh, um, God, maybe, hospi- <laughs> maybe hospitality workers, people on shifts. I don't know. God, the, mind, the mind boggles. Do you go on? But, but, but 5G. <laughs> Certainly, I, um, what, what we've seen with CES uh, this year is that there is a lot of work going on. The applications of, of 5G, which almost feels like a technology that's rolling out faster than the business technology applications are yeah. coming along. Yeah. But I actually think that's okay because, um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'll give away my, my age here, but yeah, I remember a time before barcode scanners were common in supermarkets. In fact, before I think they were any, used anywhere in supermarkets, yeah. the barcodes appeared on the product yeah. long before then. Because they had to. If you don't have them on the product, there's no point rolling out the barcode ready. Yeah, that's right. You, no you, get a, you get a packet of chips that was barcode ready. <laughs> exactly. We're, we're effectively getting the country 5G ready. Yeah, yeah. And the initial uses will probably be to uh, be able to game on the fly, which my um, my teenagers will greatly appreciate, um, but um, and maybe watch a movie and you know, have, have, have download a movie a few seconds faster. Mm. But ultimately, the we know there's massive business impact, and that that reengineering of a business, that reengineering of the supply chain, particularly remote operations. Yeah, you know, we know that data intensive. We know five G gives us a whole lot of options. We know that. Um, yeah, uh, that as much as we got to predict that the predictions of autonomous vehicles have been overinflated, mm. uh, have been these, these have been slower to come than than predicted. I'm quite happy. Uh, about, I'm quite happy about this, having recently discovered how quick those Teslas are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you, you've got to trust just 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 because the car can doesn't mean the car will. Yes, indeed. Uh, but. 5G is going to be important to make that safe, yeah. and, and 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 it's probably a good thing if we get it fully rolled out, and and the technology catches up then to maximise its usage. And I think CES is showing us some of those uses. What's going to be really important for all of us? If if I set up front that business strategy integrated with technology strategy, integrated with consumer strategy is going to be important. Really, CIOs investing some time to really stretch their thinking in. Every business, yeah. and I mean every business, about how 5G would apply. Yeah. Um, you're not going to. You, that's not going to be a wasted effort because it, you, because it will come at us in in a number of different ways. Just like AI, again, stretching ourselves to say, what is the data that would feed the AI that would be applicable in our business will not be wasted effort because it will it will come through. It will just come through in ways that potentially are business strategy changing and will and provide um, provide business differentiation and great CIOs will, will actually be the lead of um, recommending what some of those opportunities are because they're not obvious yeah and that, and, and that's where business opportunity lives is in those non-obvious places one of the um, prevailing trends from last year that CIOs reported on quite extensively is that um, I'm going to now break my own rule. Um, one of the things that, that happened with COVID was that CIOs were <laughs> – the status of CIOs were elevated, right? They had, they had more say. People listened to them more. Um, do you think that's going to continue? Do you think, you know, do you think it's going to cha- continue to change? 
that CIO, it's going to be easier for CIOs to make the case for further investment in digital in 2021? It's not just making a case of further investments. It's actually making a case that the strategy has got to have technology at the core. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that um, it's really important for the sake of our businesses uh, that CIOs insert themselves into the centre of those discussions, not just to, uh, for the allocation of budget, but for the transformation of, um, of the business. Um, and that will be different in different organisations. And CIOs um, actually have a responsibility to to go into a little bit of an uncomfortable space and to insert themselves in um, in, the, in conversations where they may not initially be welcome. Mm. Um, and that's that, and that could result in some uncomfortable conversations. But ultimately, in five years' time, no one's going to thank you if you don't, because um, yeah, businesses businesses will get will get left behind. Yeah, well, it's an interesting year ahead. Rob, thanks so much for joining us again, and um, we look forward to having you back on again soon. Absolute pleasure. And we managed to get away with only, uh, I think, two mentions of COVID. Yeah, two or three. Max, three max. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, David. Thanks, Rob. We enable any organisation to use any technology. We help all companies become technology companies. Protecting the identity of both workforces and customers. Connecting the right people to the right technology at the right time. Okta, one trusted platform to secure every identity in your organisation. And joining us now is Kudzai Kanutu, Deputy Chief Medical Information Officer with the Royal Melbourne Hospital, also an infection, infectious diseases specialist. Kudzai, welcome to the COO Show. Thanks for having me. Congratulations for your placing 10th in the 2020 COO 50, by the way. Great achievement. Thank you very much. It was a lovely hamper you sent to as well. Yes, it was. Glad you enjoyed it. Glad you enjoyed it. So, look, what, in terms of um, what you're expecting to see digital trends for 2021, what's, what's on the horizon for you, you know, broadly and, and also, of course, within the healthcare space? Um, look, Broadly, I think what I hope to see is a move away from crisis management, which was what 2020 was about. It was intense, grueling, exhausting crisis management. And I hope that what we'll see is now a shift to professionalization Mm. and judicious use and conscious decision making around what matters to us, what sort of information and data we're going to collect and what went wrong last year, because there were things that went wrong. And I think there's a, there's a real kind of clinical story there around, um, you know, in that effort to innovate and transform at pace, mm-hmm. there were things that were lost and yeah. how do we reconnect with those things that, that we lost. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's really what 2021 needs to be about is doing a, a sentinel event analysis, yeah. picking out the great stuff and really turning it into a more a well-oiled professional machine as opposed to just sort of rolling chaos and response, just, you know, crisis. Response. Yeah, and it, it, it was it was rather hysterical, wasn't it? And then a lot of commentators had, had jumped on the bandwagon and have said, "Well, you know, the the COVID is going to change, um, you know, accelerate digital transformation in in perpetuity. You know, that we've been forced to uh, undertake these these innovations, and then the pace of change is not going to stop." But that's not quite how you see it, right? I don't know. It isn't because mm. I think the key drivers for the change last year was a crisis of 
global proportion. Yes. Um, you know, everyone said unprecedented. Yes, it was. But when you have change that is driven by crisis and driven by force, mm. not by volition, not by design, not by people actually making a conscious choice to make a change, the risk is always that once the crisis is seen to be over or there is a glimmer that there might be a chance of returning to what things were before, yeah. you will have people who want to run back to that space of comfort and control. Yeah. And that's what we've got to kind of be conscious of if we're to really allow this moment in time to be the moment when things genuinely change for the better and change for the better for everybody, not just for people who benefited from that rapid change that occurred last year. Yeah, sure. And when you, you mentioned earlier the things that were lost last year. I'm assuming um, you were referring to the fact that, that it was so difficult to see physically see patients. I mean, a lot, a lot was made of, of, of how, um, how powerful and important it was for healthcare organisations, hospitals to, to conduct um, remote consultations. But that's not an ideal scenario. Oh, look, absolutely it's not. And there were some really extraordinary things that did happen. So mm. there were some policy changes around Medicare and funding of programs that were things that everybody had been asking for in the telehealth community and the digital health community. We needed to see those changes happen. And that happened. Yeah. Extraordinary. So at the beginning, I think there was just jubilation. Yeah. Everyone was thinking, wow, you know, finally I can actually run this clinic from home. And the clinic has also, you know, revved up the IT department to actually allow me to do remote access so that I can do everything I would normally do from the clinic room. Mm. But we lost things. So I lost, you know, I, I lost patients both, you know, physically and I lost patients, you know, metaphorically as well. So I have some people that I've not seen for almost coming up to 12, 14 months now that's since bad. the pandemic began. Yeah. And that's not okay. No. It's not okay that there are these people that I have not actually physically laid hands on, yeah. people who needed scans done that I haven't seen. Now, that's unacceptable. Yeah. Um, but yeah. that's what we need to contend with. And that's something that I think we need to really work to redress and be and to sort of unearth that data. And it's very difficult at the moment for, for me to even have full visibility of, hang on a minute, I have, you know, 2,000 patients that I've seen in the past 24 months. Which of them should I have seen more? And that's where I think there's a real body of work there to uncover where are the missed opportunities. It's always, you know, when something's in your face and it's an immediate crisis, it's easy someone's turned up with, you know, they need their prescription filled in, easy to see. Yeah. It's all the other people who you're just unaware have had healthcare needs and you just haven't seen them. You haven't had the opportunity. Yeah, sure. And when you, you mentioned you mentioned managing accessing and managing data, um, what what are you what are you anticipating this year in terms of artificial intelligence, things like machine learning? Because I know that these are areas that are um, you know that you've got your hands dirty with in the past. Um, look, artificial intelligence is one of those things that still sits in that basket of great hype, yeah. I think, for a lot of practitioners at the coalface. Yeah. We've not kind of seen it happen. There have been glimmers of hope in radiology where we've seen people, you know, tr attempt to apply AIs, for example, to diagnostics for sites that maybe don't have access to trained professionals. Mm -hmm. Would this would you know, would this algorithm be able to detect if somebody has a high likelihood of COVID yep. if we didn't have other testing available? Yeah. There have been glimmers of hope. I have yet to see it actually penetrate um, to a really um, ingrained business as usual use of AI. Sure. That's not to say that there is not an opportunity for that 
to happen. Mm. Um, and I think where there is actual real benefit is around, um, you know, behavioral diagnostics or predictors, you know, predictive analytics. Yeah. Because the biggest challenge we're going to have in the next, say, 12 months is how are we going to know or to find creative ways of interacting, detecting, and bringing people in who might be averse or afraid of interacting with the health system after what's happened, mm. but we desperately need to get to them. Yeah. And that's really, that's kind of like a net, you know, that's sort of a meta level, an extension of AI where you're weaving behavioral psychology, um, you know, algorithms, and then diagnostics to try and change behavior for the better. Yeah. And I've not, that's what I, that, that would be my big hope that we could somehow use this terrible experience to achieve that. Yeah. Um, but that takes a lot of you know, collaboration and a lot of will for yeah. that to occur. Do you think there's going to be something of a, of a pullback in terms of investment in and excitement around digital innovation this year? Well, I mean, cert- certainly, you know, when we discussed this recently, people are, going, are likely to be taking a step back and be more considered about what they're doing this year because last year was so hysterical. I mean, everyone just needs to take a breath, right? Um, but, you know, what, what, what do you see as being the implications of that for, you know, actual ongoing interest and innovation and investment in digital innovation for, you know, organisations and CIOs like yourself? Well, if you look at, I guess, the wider society here, I think there's still going to be a lot of intense interest and a lot of investment um, from, you know, from venture capital and other spaces towards this sort of drive towards digital innovation because people have seen what is possible. Mm-hmm. So I don't think mm-hmm. the money is going to stop flowing, yeah. but I think where we have the real challenges is in um, what money is actually available in the places where it could make the biggest difference. So in the public health sector, which is where I work, um, there's been a lot of interest but we've yet to see a lot of money actually flowing in at that level. We see money flowing in into startup spaces or into large organizations where, you know, they don't actually have that really nice um, interaction with where the work is actually being done in healthcare. So there's this sort of real tension around people are saying, look, there's billions of dollars flowing in for in a digital innovation because they're seeing this spark of life. But we're still not getting that linkage between the, you know, those two spheres: the clinical realm, people doing the work at the coalface, and the, you know, the private sector, and then government, and how we how we marry that up to actually generate that benefit. Sure, sure. Um, I mean, obviously, COVID focused focused people's attention on the need to access, uh, you know, records digitally and um, consult with people digitally. And that sort of brings me to my uh, uh, the next sort of important um, area of digital transformation in the healthcare space, which is the you know this notion of digital healthcare records or the my, my health record. Do you think that I mean, and obviously it's not been very um, it's not been very successful so far. Do you think we're going to see what do much? You, mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know how to say the right things. So do you do you imagine that this year we're going to see? Any sort of improvement on on that front? Any sort of, you know, what 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 do you think needs to happen, or what might happen to improve, um, you know, people's engagement with the the My Health Record um, system? I don't. I wouldn't hold my breath mm. on this next year being the moment where My Health Record flourishes as a result of what's happened 
um, with COVID. There is a possibility and an opportunity for that to happen. For example, if we were to somehow link the functionality of My Health Record with, say, the vaccination program that's going to be rolled out so that people keep track of where they've been vaccinated. But we already kind of have the Australian Immunisation Register, which could fulfil that Mm. without necessarily having to have it linked intimately with my health record. And I think simplicity is going to be the key here to try and do really complex things and to try and re-engage with people who I think time and time again have showed that they're a little bit lukewarm Mm. on my health record. Mm. You might actually, from a strategic perspective, what you want is to get people to interact with a portion of their digital health, you know, footprint, Mm. you might be better placed to say, look, we're just going to focus on the immunization register and that bit is going to be perfectly done. It's going to have reminders to let people know that they've had their first dose, they need to turn up for their second dose on this date and at the back end you've got, you know, dashboards to allow people to see at a community level, you know, what proportion of this, you know, local government area have turned up to be vaccinated, you know, de-identified and then allowing you also to get granular so that you can actually support communities and find the people who really need the vaccine easily mm. and allow them to feel safe and secure that, you know, all we're really talking about is just your vaccination status. We're not looking at anything else. You're safe here. You can, you know, issue yourself a digital certificate to say you've done your vaccine um, and you've had a blood test afterwards or whatever else it is. I think that's where you want to play a safe space that's very targeted and very niche around COVID, not the bigger my health record piece. Sure. And look, cybersecurity is another area that was that was highlighted last year, particularly in the healthcare space for all manner of reasons that most of us know. Do you do you think there's going to be much um, you know, change in, in that space, particularly in the healthcare sector this year? I think a lot of organisations, there was already a really big move. So, you know, in Victoria, we'd had the Victoria Auditor General's reporting to cybersecurity, 72 recommendations, and then looking across the health sector, we could see that most, there were no hospitals that were fully compliant, none. Mm. So what I think we'll now, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So what I think we will hopefully see is that now that most hospitals have had to commit to permanent telehealth as sort of bread business as usual, mm. that you'll really start to see people amp that up. So most, I think all hospitals should now have two-factor authentication, but you know, a, a lot of places were still just doing that sort of end of last year. Mm. Um, so some of the places I've worked, you know, second jobs, third jobs, et cetera, were just sort of getting to that stage. So that wave, I think, of trying to clean things up from a cybersecurity perspective and also getting people to realise, I think clinicians in particular have traditionally said, look, cybersecurity, that's IT department stuff. That's got nothing to do with me. To actually say, look, the responsibility actually does sit with you. Mm. So if you're the sort of person who likes to keep your passwords in the back of your phone case, it's your problem. <laughs> it's no longer, yeah. you know, it, yeah. these people exist, you know. Yeah. It's no longer the IT department's problem. You actually need to engage with your cybersecurity requirements within the workplace and yeah. this is this is what it looks like. This is what breast practice looks like if you're a doctor, a nurse, a physiotherapist or other. Yeah, well, I mean, hopefully, Kudzai, this year is not going to be anywhere near as traumatic for you um, as last year. Thanks so much for joining us on the CIO Show and we look forward to having you back on again soon. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Our final guest is Tim Sheedy, Principal Advisor with Analyst Firm Ecosystem. Tim, welcome back to the CIO Show. Thanks, David, for having me again. Hope you had a nice break over Christmas and New Year. Yeah, very relaxing. 
Excellent. So, mate, what are you seeing? What, what's what's the biggest trend that you that you'd, you you're sort of identifying for twenty twenty one? Look, so uh, well, a lot of this came out of the CIO fifty applications that I, I got the chance to judge last year. Yeah, me too. Um, we actually wasn't, that, that, wasn't that fun? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. Took so, uh, <laughs> took a uh, longer than you always hope. Yeah, yeah. But it's all, all, always a rewarding experience. So yes, yes. and and you get this sort of information out, like you know, like, like what I'm going to talk about now, mm. which is this this idea that. You know, AI is becoming a standard practice. Yeah. Whereas over the previous few years in the CIO 50, people going, look at me, I'm doing AI. I'm sort of ahead of the market. Yeah. This year, it was just uh, everyone was doing it. It was a standard practice. It's that, you know, AI is about keeping up with, with the market versus getting ahead. And so because of that, we expect that the uh, IT vendors themselves, particularly the applications providers, mm. won't be talking about AI as much. God, it's, right, hard, they, it's hard to imagine. I know, I know, I know it is, but <laughs> but but the, the theory is that because uh, everyone else has AI, if you're an application vendor and you haven't made your application smart, mm. if you come out in October 2021 and say, "Oh, I knew we've started to automate some features within our uh, platform or our or our tool now," mm. um, all you're doing is saying we're 18 or 24 months behind the rest of the market, right? right? And, and I'm not suggesting that there aren't vendors who are behind others, mm. but by talking about it, you are highlighting the fact that you're behind others. Yeah, and, right. and look, we already saw it at like AWS reInvent at the at Salesforce's events last year. They just didn't talk about AI as much. Um, and that is because it, it's just becoming a standard capability and practice within their platforms versus something that, that really sets them apart right. um, from their competitors. So mm-hmm. uh, I think we're, we're just going to hear less language around AI and automation um, in 2021. And that's probably a good thing. That just means more people are doing it and less people are talking about it. Right. Hmm. And so what are, you, what are you seeing in terms of other areas? Like, for instance, two big topics that we, we've covered last year. Um, one, one, for instance, is customer experience. Uh, so, look, one of the sort of bit of left field uh, predictions that we have for this year is that uh, we think organisations are going to have license to have a bit of fun with their customers again. Oh. You know, 2020 was all about that's a nice, that's a nice sentiment. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that's it, right? You yeah. know, like 2020 was a tough year. You know, you know, it was hard mentally. It was hard economically, physically, um, yeah. And, yeah. and yeah, that's it. And um, and th- from a customer experience perspective, the whole focus was on building trust with customers. Yep. Um, whereas, you know, organizations who've done that, so I don't think you can have fun with your customers in 2021 unless they trust you. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone can go and do this. You have to build that trust first. So I think we're just going to see some more playful campaigns out there, um, some more fun in the experience again. Yeah. Um, but, 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 I don't think we'd notice because we're all sort of so so focused on the pandemic last year that I don't think we realised that things weren't as much fun as they used to be. But <laughs> I, I think we are going to notice it coming back. Yeah, right? we'll go, yeah we'll, right. You'll see it and you go, oh, that's right. Mm. You can be cheeky. You can you can do dumb things. You can have a bit of fun with your customers again. Yeah. Um. So so I, I think that's going to sort of drive some different sorts of CS activities in the market. Um, this year, anyway, and so presumably mobility is going to be a key part of that. Um, yeah, look, uh, mobility is 
you know, obviously been a big focus for uh, a lot of years for a lot of organisations. Mm. Um, you know, th- th- there'll be you know more focus on employee mobility this year than there uh, was over the last. Well, there, there was a lot in twenty twenty. There'll be a continuing focus on employee mobility. Is that the the, the better way to say it for 2021 mm-hmm. with an understanding that we had a good four, five, six years there where the employee was very much second fiddle to the customer mm-hmm. um, when it came to, mo- to the mobility initiatives and mobility spend. And I, I think we are actually going to see a significant increase in spend around um, you know the, secure, the security of endpoint devices right. uh, too on, um, as they become sort of the – or they continue to be sort of the major threat. Um, point for, for many organisations. Right. Okay. So vendors are going to stop crying about AI. Um, I suspect one word that we're not that is not going to go off the to, uh, be removed from the radar is cloud. No. Look, you know, cloud's part of everything these days, right? Mm. Everything's related to the cloud somehow. Um, yeah, we've got a couple of thoughts around cloud. Is um, first of all, we think that hybrid clouds will, will finally sort of gain acceptance as a mainstream. Capability, right. and I, you know, I, I think this is a, a bit of a risky one because you know there are plenty of organisations that are jumping straight to public cloud and not thinking hybrid at all. But look, at, at the same time, you know, there are organisations, even the the very large, you know, collaboration providers themselves. Some of them have started to move to a hybrid environment as they wanted to take a, a little more control of their own um, sort of computing and. Services environment, yeah. um, and so you know, and and the other, you know, the, I think one of the things really driving it is the the cloud management tools to do hybrid much more easily and effectively. Right, certainly starting to emerge. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're getting better and more mature. Sure. Um, the, the the other one around cloud is is multi cloud. Yep. I, I, um, I, I understand the concept of multi cloud, and many businesses see the benefit of Wow, this organization does analytics, this cloud provider does analytics better than that one, for example, or data management better than, than the other one. But the reality of multi cloud is, is that it's hard. Um, cloud environments aren't as portable as we really think they are. Yep. So just, just moving your cloud environment within your existing cloud provider mm-hmm. is hard. Yep. Right? So the whole idea of then being able to shift that to another whole, you know, uh, organization and another, public cloud provider, yeah. is this going to be much harder than many organisations think it's going to be? Um, and I think we'll see a bit of a few missteps around multi-cloud this year. And, and this sort of drives me to my final thought around cloud is the ecosystem play. Yeah. So last year we saw, you know, a couple of the big vendors, Google and Microsoft in particular, really beat their partner ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, what they understand, as AWS already understands, is that they what well, once you are within an ecosystem, it's harder to leave it, right? Yeah. Um, vendor lock-in is just as real in the cloud world as it is in the um, traditional on-premise world. Uh, but the thing is, the benefits of vendor lock-in are huge, mm. right? In the yeah. cloud world, if you can choose an application partner or an AI partner, or data management, or, you know, cloud management partner that uses all the same. You know, security is your current cloud provider uses all the same credentials, um, you know, all, all, all the same management um, tools and platforms, etc. It makes it much easier for you to use, you know, that that software, that ISV um, partner, 
you know, in your existing cloud environment than finding one outside of that environment yeah. and trying to integrate it with your existing environment and having to, you know, manage data on the move, et cetera. Um, so, so this ecosystem pay is going to become more important this year. Um, we're going to see, you know, a, a, a lot of the mid-size and smaller ICs, you know, try to partner with multi, um, multiple cloud vendors as they try to make sure that they, that they don't lose yep. market share yep. um, to, to someone who's, you know, on a, a cloud that they're not on. Well, we've certainly, right? we certainly seen Microsoft and Google making that ecosystem play, right? Yeah, absolutely. They, they, you know, they've been boosting their partner environment here in Australia and New Zealand in Asia Pacific, um, you know, particularly over the last 12 months, um, to, to make sure that they've got all the organizations, you know, in, in their ecosystem that you might want to partner with, um, and that you might want to use to, to benefit your business in, and now in the future. Sure. Um, last year, of course, was, was a big year for cybersecurity, extraordinary rise in, in attacks um, in any organisation that, that hadn't been taking cybersecurity cyber seriously has certainly um, been slapped, slapped around the face. What are you seeing um, this year in terms of cyber? So, look, uh, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. There was a, a, uh, an escalating number of attacks last year. Um well, what was not didn't happen as much last year was the, the regulators and you know, compliance organisations, the government of the world, etc., stepping in and fining organisations. Um, what those regulators and governments are starting to realise is the increased requirement mm. for better regulation sure. and more compliance. So we expect that governments here, we're already seeing it in Australia, but around the world, are really going to start to um, step up their efforts to. Uh, to regulate industries and start to hand out big, heavy, scary fines to organisations that don't meet the requirements. Wow, that's um, a big prediction. Because of the risk, yeah. yeah. And, and look, it's, it's, it's going to be required, right? Because, you know, um, you know I, I know there's a lot of cybersecurity providers that are using AI to make their tools smarter and faster and better. Yeah. But what we are, another, another prediction for this year is the hackers themselves are going to embrace the use of AI. Oh God, how, right? That AI how is going to be, yeah. yeah, that's it, right? But, but, you know, they're going to be able to automate attacks on your business. The, the scale of an attack will, will just be immensely greater because of the, the fact that they can automate some of these capabilities. Yeah, um, yeah. So AI is coming, you know, as much you know, as, a, as a weapon in 2021 as it's going to be a tool to help yeah. protect us. So... Um, so certainly staying ahead of that and building, you know, the, the right sort of trust environment. You know, we expect a continuing interest in growth, uh, a zero trust security model. Yep. You know, you know, it's not going to take over the world. Um, it will just be sort of, you know, um, small, uh, amounts of growth continuously throughout the year. But I, you know, I think this sort of zero trust model is going to be, um, the, the one that, Eventually, many organisations turn to it. It's going to take a lot more years for, for that to happen. No I'm willing uh, to make a prediction that uh, the world's going to embrace zero trust because it's um, it's you know, it's a big undertaking. So, <laughs> sort of change, change security architecture. Sure. Now, speaking of predictions, you're loath to make. Let's have a chat about the dud predictions from 2019. Some that you might have made, and some of your peers may have made. What What are some of the biggest duds in your mind? So look, we we saw that there were there were two lots of dud predictions last year. There yeah. were the ones that we just got 
wholesale wrong. Yep. Um, and then there were the ones that we got right for, for the completely wrong reasons, oh, yeah. um, basically. <laughs> because because the, the market obviously just changed on yeah. everyone, right? Yeah, predictions um, you can't take any credit for. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, so uh, it, uh, it, anything to do with the edge computing and IoT, you know, yeah. they, they were non-startled last year, yeah. right? Yeah. We just didn't see or hear much activity at all in that space. Um, you know, that was partly because of the the slowdown in 5G rollouts, et cetera, because there's a big, you know, strong link between 5G enabling edge computing and IoT. Mm. You know, once those, once those, those network rollouts were slowed down, you know, all, all those predictions, you know, uh, and did not come true. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we had a prediction last year that enterprise mobility would take off. Yeah. We were completely right, but again, you know, for the wrong reasons. I thought they'd do it because <laughs> it was the right thing to do, yeah, but instead yeah, yeah. they did it because they had to do it, yeah. right? Because all our employees were at home. Yeah, video, um, video conferencing might have been something that you um, picked was going to rise, but probably not by anywhere near as much and not for any reasons you, you could have predicted either. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> um, so and, and and another one we, we, we got right but for the wrong reasons were this sort of increased focus on automation, Again, we sort of had this sort of idea that organizations would, you know, build these strong automation practices and start to set automation targets to be able to, um, you know, uh, know, automate a certain amount of processes or a certain number of roles, et cetera, throughout the year. Now, automation absolutely took off, as did AI, Mm. in 2020, but it was because we had to get things done with less stuff, right? And, And also, there was this funny thing last year where, you know, when you're sitting in a team in an office with 30 people around you and a problem comes up, you point to the person, you go solve that problem. Yep. When you're sitting at home and a problem comes up, you, the first step often is how do we automate that solution? Yeah, of course. So we moved away from that sort of human-based approach to fixing problems to, um, you know, to that automation technology-centric approach. And that was just because of the environment we're in, um, not because... It was the, uh, you know, it, it was a grander plan of the business. So yeah, there were some, you know, some some, some big misses uh, last year. Um, some big hits for the wrong reasons. Um, another, yeah, you know, another one was SAS. Yeah, we predicted a, that that SAS would accelerate. So yeah. SAS went nuts, yeah, right, in yeah. 2020, right, yeah, yeah. and and it will continue to do so this year. I think this year will be. There'll, there'll be even more SaaS implementation yeah. um, than in 2020. But again, you know, we, we did it because we had to, because we couldn't manage those applications or because those applications on premise didn't make sense in, in the, the new normal uh, during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, so it was certainly a... Uh, an interesting year, one I'm glad to put behind us. Oh, indeed. 2020, but but, but we um we all learn a lot about ourselves and our businesses, and um and I, you know some you know, as we saw from the CIO 50 again, there were some really great, inspiring stories that came out of us. Yeah, so they sure were. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Well, Very look, impressive. it's 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 going to be it's going to be an interesting year this year. I, I think uh, it's going to be a lot more fun than than last year, but let's see. And uh, let's see which of your predictions come true, Tim, and which are, are duds in, in 12 months' time. Thanks again for joining yeah. us. Thanks, thanks. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. Our next episode is on software-defined networking. As most of you probably know, SD-WAN is a network 
that is abstracted from its hardware, creating a virtualized network overlay. It's one of the biggest trends in enterprise communications, yet one where there exists a degree of confusion about what it actually means and how the technology can be applied to building more reliable, flexible and secure enterprise networks. We'll be talking to CIOs and other experts about the capabilities and potential of SD-WAN to drive more effective digital transformation. We hope you can join us.